Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Ron Finberg, Product Specialist at Capitech. Capitech is a company that helps international financial companies deal with reporting complexities presented by various regulations around the world. And with that, here's my interview with Ron. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for taking the time today. I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. And where are you located again? We're based in Herzliya, Israel, which is just north of Tel Aviv and is the like the Silicon Valley of, of Israel where nearby buildings are Microsoft, Apple, Amazon. And nice hub to be in. <laughs> and okay. Capitec, yeah, growing, yeah. Growing quickly. Excellent. So Ron Finberg of Capitec, tell us about Capitec. Capitec is a reg tech company. So I know their fintech is kind of branched, branched out to different sides. So we're on the regulation technology. We build software that's packaged as a subscription solution to help investment firms handle the multitude of transaction reporting requirements. It's a big deal uh, outside of the, the US, specifically in Europe and in Asia, where a lot of companies are have to report um, daily uh, submissions of all their different trades and who their counterparties are. And we, we kind of, uh, our, our bread and butter is being able to handle this data to be able to extract data from our our customers and be able to put in the formats that companies need. Excellent. So we're, I guess a way of looking at us is we're a big data company that we're not, not in the necessarily AI, how big data is usually talked about, but actually using, handling a lot of data and being able to, to simplify it. Cause that's a lot of, a lot of companies have difficulties in, in handling large data sets. Fair enough. So we'll jump into that in a couple of minutes. Tell us about the history of Capitech and why it was founded in the first place. Okay. So Capitech has, um, I guess we're a startup from a startup from a startup. So we, we in the good old days, in, in 2002, the company began as the, an R&D center in Israel for ITG, which is an equity-based broker in the U.S. And for 12 years, uh, the office over here had just been building products for ITG, the dark pool and their Trident systems. A lot of that has its hands. Um, a lot of what was built there really is had the origins of it were, were, were based in, uh, in Israel. Uh, and along with that, in 2007, when MIFID 1 in Europe went live, so the Israel R&D office for ITG had a lot of connections with the European branch. So one of the items they needed to do was handle the, these new regulatory requirements in, of, of MIFID 1. And we were building a lot of the back office uh, to handle that. So that kind of gave us like a, the initial involvement with um, handling regulation and seeing where the where it's kind of being needed for, where, where the, the difficulties are for investment firms in, in handling new regulation. So fast forward to 2000, in uh, the end of 2013, at that time, ITG decided that they wanted to um, kind of uh, make some changes in the company. Our CEO at the time decided, okay, if you're, instead of closing out on the branch, how about we just become a separate entity? And so there was a management buyout of just the Israel office, and that became Capitec. And instead of being a subsidiary of ITG, they became our clients. So we became an outsourcing company. So kind of an odd, it's a management offshoot or almost carve out of the entire, of a previous division. Yeah, exactly. So that's, we basically became that, an outsourcing um, solutions company, you know, startup. And then from that, one of our, one of the first projects that we did for more than just ITG was creating, building solutions for a new regulation in Europe called EMIR. And initially, like the view was, okay, we know how to do outsourcing projects. Big companies come to us. They say, these are our problems. We build for them. And we were taking that services-based model. We built a few of these for handling Amir. And then we realized, okay, everybody has the same problems. 
everybody's looking for the same type of solutions. Let's build a product over here. And that's what kind of led us to build our, what's what we call the Captivate reporting um, platform. And eventually that became like a startup within the company. And now our, we've more or less kind of shut down the, the outsourcing business and, you know, we're Capitech regulation is the, is our singular focus for the company. Excellent. So like you said, spin off or carve out of a carve out. <laughs> it's uh, you're, you're a bit of a nesting doll. Yeah, I think I think we're like a, we officially became a startup. Is last year we we had our uh, funding round. We raised uh, a few million dollars from in a deal headed by eighty three North, and along with a few different uh, angel investors that were founders in in larger fintech companies themselves. I think at that point that became okay. Now we're now we're a traditional startup. We have to be focused on one product because our investors are you know they're investing. They don't care about our being able to build solutions for other people. They want us to focus on our own product. And so that's, I guess that's a time where our, our focus became really on what we're doing. And, and this is our, our goal. Excellent. So for those of us not fully immersed in the compliance space uh, with MIFID 2 or MIFID 2, can you tell us what the regulatory challenge that these regulations created that you had to solve the problem for? What, what was the actual challenge created for companies by this regulation? So there's two sides of it. One is a compliance side where companies really had to define what the regulation wants. And just to understand like what, what MIFID 2 is, there was MIFID 1 and this was like 150 pages of framework. And that got split up into, you know, for MIFID 2, it became suddenly 500 pages of, of information. And this, this regulation was not, it's not only trading related stuff, a lot of it's corporate governance, you know, how do you deal with customers? How do you market things? How do you set management policies? A whole bunch of different stuff. So there's, there's a huge emphasis on compliance company, compliance um, people within firms to really understand what, what the regulators want. I think that's, a, that's a, a huge problem. On the other side, anytime that there's a report that has to be sent to a regulator, whether it's a quarterly report about um, you know, capital requirements or daily things like what we do that's focused on, on, on trades, it creates a, a huge... Um, demand for data. You need to actually have the data available to be able to do the report. So I think like anyone who's done their own taxes knows that, you know, if you have just your regular 1040, you get, you know, that you're, you're filling out, you have, you know, your regular employee, then it's pretty simple. But if you suddenly have like seven or eight uh, brokerage accounts or different trades you're doing, then it becomes like a lot of, it's not a matter of just even knowing how to fill out like a tax report, but it's actually having, knowing where to get the information to do it. So you can look at the same way, you know, just magnify that, you know, multiply that by like a hundred times, like any investment firm, they have to suddenly be figuring out how am I going to take, where am I going to find this information for all my different trades and, and for the data that the regulators want? And how am I going to, put that into the formats that the that the regulators the regulators need. So that kind of creates this issue where a lot of the new regulation, whether it's um, for a smaller amount CFTC and in, in the Dodd-Frank CFTC in the in the US, but more in, in Europe, it's kind of a combination of where compliance people have to be working hand in hand with their IT people. The compliance people have to tell the IT people this is what we need. And IT people have to be the ones that are actually creating, you know, generating that data to to do the reports. And typically IT people, you know, they've worked hand in hand with a lot of front office guys, the traders in, in that, that area of the world, but typically they haven't really been working a lot with um, like legal and compliance people. So there's a lot of collaboration that's been missing and suddenly they have to be doing it. So that's one of, I think uh, it's one of the big challenges that companies have is A, dealing with information the regulars want and then B, like just how to do it. 
So, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the number of challenges you must have encountered given, I mean, a lot of these systems were not designed to be open in the first place. So what kind of challenges did you face in just trying to compile that data? So we take a, like a, our view of it is when we talk to clients, it's how do we, we first ask is what type of information is available? Is there a, a back office system that's aggregating a lot of the data that you, you know, all aggregating your, your trade data? Is there a, an OMS system like a, like a Bloomberg or a Fidesa? And so we first want to say, where, where is the trade information being, being collected? A lot of times they're coming back to say it's, you know, it's uh, just PDFs that we have of trades that our, our, our broker sent to us. So there's a lot of, that, that's, I think the, the first thing we figured out is like, where's the data coming from? And then the next one is, is once we have actual data to, to look at, then we ask is, is that enough data to comply with what with the regulators need. And if not, what do we do in those situations? So that usually leads us to, leads us to the next question of, um, is there information that Capitec can find for our clients, whether it's like a external market data or um, something called ISIN codes, which is, those are the codes for every stock or, or instrument has. So there's different external information that can be collected. Excellent. So basically, you suck this all up. Like you said, you're a big data play. You aggregate this all. Now, the reports, I take it you give them, you provide them stock. Are they, is there any flexibility in them customizing as per need? Or is this all based specifically around the demands of the regulation itself? So we have our, our core platform. But one of the things that we do a little bit differently, I don't want to kind of like promote Capitec too much, but what we realize is Every company has their own kind of uh, flavors, their own way of dealing things. So instead of going to our customers and saying, okay, this is, the, this is how we need to collect information from you, what we do is we say, what type of data do you have available? And then we'll customize to that. So if they have a certain, um, certain API that, that we can connect to or certain uh, CSV formats, we usually, as long as it has information that it's there, we take that information and on, others, on our side, we do the mapping to the, to the correct fields that, that we need. What we found is that since we're, you know, we're reusing a lot of the, the same type of a, a lot business logic is that it's a lot easier for us to do the mapping and the formatting in our side than telling our clients to just send us information in a certain format. So I guess the, the long answer is we have a basic format, but overall we do a lot of the, you know, things are being customized for client. Fair enough. So I would think that. Um, again, the regulation in Europe now being, you know, the, the EU is more harmonized, but you're dealing in multiple domiciles. You see, you mentioned Asia. Is it just those two areas specifically? So after, I, I guess to kind of like um, give a little, a little more of the background. So after the global financial crisis, one of the, one of the things the, the larger uh, countries, of the G20, whatever it's, I don't know what the different variations of, of Gs. So they decided, okay, we have no idea what these derivatives are. We don't know who the, what the exposure is. We don't know what counterparty risk is. There's a whole question like systematic risk. So they all got together and they said, okay, we, we're, we need to put in some sort of system that we can monitor what is being transacted in, in terms of derivatives. So that's, that's what in the U.S. is called Dodd-Frank, but in, 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 or CFTC reporting, sorry. In, but CFTC reporting is um, it's focused on, on a smaller scale of products. Other jurisdictions, like like in Europe and um, and in Asia and Australia, decided that they wanted to have a lot more a lot more products being reported about. So the reality is is that you have this um, what you have in 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 Europe, um, Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan, and and in Canada and Australia are, are are asking for 
a lot more information that you'd have, let's say, in the in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But more or less, all of these jurisdictions, uh, with the exception of the U.S., are pretty similar in, t- in terms of the, the the reports they want. This is on the deriv- derivative reporting. MIFID two in in Europe is a whole different beast, where it's really they've just made a they just want information about everything, and that's, <laughs> uh, that's the only way to describe it. That's the only way to describe it. So, so the real challenge is what, you know, so this is a real question for you. That's a lot of inf- information about everything. So is actually, is anything actionable coming out of this data dump to them? Or is this still early days and they're going to figure it out later? So in the U.S. or in Australia, a lot of the, the focus of exchange traded products is on the exchanges. So if you're, you know, if you're managing the NASDAQ or the Australian stock exchange, so that, you know, you have to have in place certain market surveillance things to be able to look for patterns, you know, are your market makers, you know, putting in uh, phantom bids and asks or are the people that are, you know, doing insider trading, you know, there's, there's certain things you could look at on the trading behavior. So a lot of the, a lot of that responsibility falls on the exchanges and any um, electric exchange operators. However, in Europe with MIFID II, is they're pushing a lot of that responsibility on on the investment firms who are making that are, are are making the trades. So if you're a broker, you have to have a lot more focus on what your clients are doing. If you're an asset manager, you have to be able to explain why you made certain trades. So that just kind of explain what the what the information there. So on, on a granular basis, there's like a lot, there's a lot more there. And in terms of this data dump that's being taking place in the, in MIFID, I think there's a mix. I think what the European regulators are are finding out is that there's a lot of information that they can't use just because they didn't expect it to be received in a certain way. And it is, and it just, it's a, doesn't make sense or there's just no use for it all. However, what they are finding use for is um, looking at the actual execution prices of liquid products. So what that helps them to do is that, is that they can then see, you know, if there's discrepancies with, with like what a broker, let's say what an E-Trade would execute a client's trade at and things that are actually being placed on, on the NASDAQ. So the, those type of examples help them see if there's, you know, maybe if a broker is, you know, price gorging or if they're just giving the wrong prices to their clients. Because the, the reality is, is that, you know, if, if I place a trade on, on my online broker, I don't know what the, I'm kind of relying on them. I could check and things like that, but I'm more or less relying on what they're, on the price they're giving me. So what the regular is doing is they're finding that it's not that hard for them to then, now that they have like really everybody's prices to then start figuring out who's not within the norms for, if they see there are a hundred executions within one second and there are three or four that would be either too high or too low, then they, those are red flags for them to look into. So I think in terms of executions of prices, that's one area where the, the regulators are handling the data up pretty well. So we've talked about from the regulatory side and the input. Tell me about the end user experience. You know, what does this look like to the customers that you're servicing once you've put it all together? Sure. So our, our, main the kind of main user would be a compliance or operations officer at a, an investment firm and what they will be looking at so we give them a, a, a dashboard and that shows them a, a visual view of all the different reports that they're generating in the submission so for example if they have if they're uh, you know a European company that has an Australian entity as well so when they would open up our dashboard they would see um, okay, this is the EMIR. They would see the two regulations in Europe, EMIR and MIFID, and then they would also see something for Australia. It's done on a, by day. It could be you know filtered by day, by asset class, 
by jurisdiction. It's made to be very visually, very intuitive. Like you can just understand very quickly what's being what's being reported and to where. And it also also shows you know have like a red red marks if there's any uh, rejected submission. So what this does, if you're a compliance person, it's very easy for them to kind of take a look at what, where are my problems on, where are my reporting problems, what's being rejected by the regulators on the submissions. And um, it helps them understand if there's any problems. Like if they're seeing, they can also check and see if there's specific types of error messages they're getting when they're submitting data to the regulators. Let's say, you know, symbols are incorrect. So they would see, okay, if we're always having a problem with uh, identifying our products, then that means there's probably something, there's, there's probably a problem on our database that needs to be, to be fixed. So we're, we're very much kind of focused on making things very visual and, and, uh, and easy to understand. Yeah, which in the compliance world is not typically the common thing, right? You're typically looking at long entries of spreadsheet-like material. Being able to display risk in bars, graphs, charts, and easier to digest is something I'm sure that everybody's been happy about. Yes, so, I mean, we do offer the, you know, they could click the download button and have the, the boring CSVs as well. But uh, it's definitely a good start to have the the blue and red, you know, accepted and rejected uh, colors there to, to start with. I'm pretty sure some people out there find CSVs interesting, but <laughs> I just don't know who they are. So in general, what's the reception been from the clients you've been dealing with? How well has their onboarding experience been? What's their adoption rate been? Feedback you provided? Uh, did you actually, you know, manage to build the right widget the first time out or has this been an evolving process? That's a, a pretty packed question. Yep. So <laughs> I, I think... One of the funny things I've I've uh, I've encountered with with our, our clients is you have you have some they'll be your interaction with them as they're onboarding will be like okay these guys these guys hate us you know they want us to do this they want us to do that you know this why is this not working you know there's we they expected things on a certain deadline and then when it's all said and done you ask them like okay you know uh, how did how was everything going they're like oh you guys are great fabulous we really we really enjoy working with you so what we've noticed is that I guess from from a client feedback they just want things to work right. And that's kind of like the focus we have is we want to make it at the end of the day, we want that to be, that's what we're trying to do for them. And, you know, there are, there are headaches in terms of teething pains whenever you're onboarding a new cl- a client, because on one hand, we are doing a lot of customizing for, for clients, but on the other hand, it's, it's also like a, it is a, a SaaS product. So once things are working, then it's very low touch from our client's perspective. I'm sure they most certainly appreciate that part of it. Yeah. And then, Another thing we do is we're always asking questions to our clients, like, what do they need? You know, what would they want to see? What works for them? What doesn't work? And based on that feedback, we'll usually work with a few clients that like have specific needs and try to see, okay, like implement new features for them and work with them to get their, to get their feedback to, to see if this is, you know, if this meets their needs. And um, if it's something that we feel adds value to, to them, then we'll roll it out for all of our customers. One of the questions we get is, Clients will look at us and say, okay, you guys are basically just a, a tax. You know, there's revenue generating products and then there's just um, just waste of money. And most people look at regulation as just a cost of business, but it's a waste of money. So mm-hmm. they want to know, they say, okay, if we're all going to be paying you this money, can you do anything extra with our data? You know, and that's, you know, based on that, we've built, um, so that we understood that. And we built a, like a best execution solution where we take the executions of, the time and execution of, of different products from our clients. And then we compare it to market prices from market data from Refinitiv, who's uh, formerly Reuters. And what that helped them do on a re- revenue generating side is that helped them know, okay, if I'm an asset manager, you know, are my 
executions for my brokers, do they make sense? So it's a TCA type of tool. Or if I'm a broker, it helps them understand, you know, are there, have they been giving quality prices to their quality executions to their clients? So that kind of uh, helps them tick a few boxes on their on their trading team as well. So I think that's one thing we we're always looking at is like, what can we do more with information we collect from our clients and how can we give them a better experience? Which is not an uncommon path for a lot of data companies to go through. You go in to solve one problem and then you have all this information and that information is valuable in more than one context. And now that you've managed to tame the beast and put it all in one place, you can play with it. And I, I do find the comments or the pushback and the refer to, referral to two things. First of all, the referral to you guys is a tax, which, you know, frankly, any good SaaS business should try to become a tax because that's where the profit is, for lack of a better term. But the, uh, it's the old saying I have on, on, on uh, regulation. Yeah, everybody thinks it's a waste until something goes wrong and they need it. And then they're, they're wishing it was there. So pardon my cynicism, but I don't necessarily buy into that. I think maybe Europe's overreached a bit, but financial regulation is probably something that should have been in place like this a long time ago. And people will probably send me hate mail about that comment. It's very true. I mean, you want to yeah. ripping off your clients is not good for you and it's not good for the entire business. No, and it's not good when it destabilizes yeah. entire international economies either. Like it's, it's, there's any number, I mean, like, geez, the, the entire fallout over what happened in 2008 and, you know, no one going to jail. It's because, well, no one was really responsible and yet everybody was still simultaneously responsible. It's like, you know, it's an unwieldy system that no one's, that regulators don't understand. No one's monitoring and things are happening and no one really understands the risk. And then suddenly it all blows apart. That's the way things happen. So before we wrap up, because we were coming up to half an hour, I want a couple, a couple of big questions I ask people at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the interview, that is. So the first one is if you had one wish, it's something you could change in your business, in the industry, what would it be? Back to what we were just saying that we're like, if you have a lot of, a lot of data, how do you deal with that? You know, like you can always want to have more to it. So one of the challenges we have is how many products do you want to do? Like, you know, can you, can you do this? Can you do that? And I think one of the, I guess one on the wishes would be something of um, more clarity from what the regulators actually want companies to do. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things where you're just being ambiguous and yeah. I think things would be a lot more straightforward if, you know, things were just more, more simple in, in, you know, being able to speak to them and get answers back of specifically what they want. And instead of trying to go through all those different data sets and figure out, we doing this, we want that and just, okay, I want to know what, what, ex- tell me from here, what do I need? And that would be, I think for, for what, what we're doing, I think just in overall compliance industry would probably be like the, the biggest wish. You know, it's funny. It's good to hear that compliance is no different anywhere else around the world because ambiguity around compliance uh, regulations. It's like, we want this. Okay, well, how do you want it? Well, you figure that out. What? <laughs> like, it seems to be the common, the common thing. It's just, you know, they, they have some kind of mandated abstract goal and the actual mechanics of something accomplishing is actually something they probably don't understand they push it back on the industry to do. So kind of refreshing to hear that everybody else has got the same pain. Yeah. And one of the funny things I found from IFID is there's this thing called RTS 27, which is these quarterly reports that you have to apply to. It's like a bit, it's supposed to be something where you could look at a report that a Goldman Sachs or Barclays and be able to compare their, their executions and be able to, you know, to know mm-hmm. who, which broker I should work with. So I'm not going to say who it is, but one of the, one of these large investment banks basically gave a, a huge, um, F you to the regulators and they were told you can just, you know, you just have to make the report. They didn't say and it has to be publicly available data. So they've created multi-millions of lines of information and put into a text file. Um, <laughs> so you, you can't, which to use, you'd have to convert it to put it in CSV, but CSV only, I think only, you can only do a hundred thousand lines. 
before it basically like implodes. So you can't even use, like they basically, they follow the, the, the regulation to, to a T, but there's the actual information they're producing is completely useless. Uh, right. And I, I assume they're doing it on purpose just because, you know, oh, they don't okay. want anybody to see what they're doing. And, but that's where, that's it has where to be. I mean, that, that level of, that level of, we're going to, Oh yeah, here here's the information you need. By the way, crawl across across glass to make any sense of it. Like that is, I'm simultaneously annoyed and amused by the entire thing. Yeah, and and it's and we're having because we have a a, a solution that kind of works with this. You know, helps companies be able to produce these reports. So people you know people will Google us and they'll see oh we work with RTS 27 and they'll you know like a, a lot of like the large asset managers um, will come up to us and just oh do you have something to to deal with like the Barclays and Credit Suisse's and Bar and and, and and Goldman Sachs information and be able to decipher it and we're like we wish we did but uh, we're it's unclear to us as it is to everybody else so it's it's not a this isn't just like a startup problem this is a you know. If the, the multi-billion dollar asset managers can't figure out what these what the investment banks are doing, then... Well, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Like, that's yeah. the reality of it. Yeah, so it's... Uh, I'm going to laugh about that one later today, too. So, in starting this company or in scaling this company to where it is today, what's been the biggest challenge you've faced uh, or the company's faced in general? Is uh, finding new clients, is that a good answer? <laughs> well, is it, uh, I mean, it seems like it's, uh, you know, there's a list <laughs> no, of people so, who should be registered for this stuff. But then again, you're, you know, no, I can see why that would be a problem. Yeah. In terms of scaling, Jason, I think one, on one hand, being involved with regulation is an area that just naturally scales because, you know, we start with EMIR in, the U, in, in Europe and then Europe adds MIFID two, And then in 2020, they're adding uh, a new thing called SFTR. And then you have the similar type of, of, of regulation taking place in the rest of the world. So there's always something new to be able to, to scale to, which is a nice area of, of the place we're in. And one of the, one of the reasons where if, uh, we attracted certain types of investors in, in, into our company. But what that means is we also attract different type of clients. So we might have a strong niche in, um, you know, certain types of asset managers. And then, you know, there are they're, they're equity trading asset managers or, or online brokers. But then when you start going into, into different types of clients, like, you know, like a regional bank and, and you know, who's trading uh, exotic swaps, you know, we also, on one hand, we, we have to be able to know how to do that onboarding and have the, the understanding for both the products and how those products fit into regulation. So I think there's a lot of uh, teething that that is a problem for us in terms of scaling is we want all these different types of clients, but then you realize when you're actually working with them that maybe our, our product doesn't fit as well as we wish it would for these things. Or, or, or maybe it's not a matter of fitting well, but of knowing what new information do we need from our clients and how do we adapt things. So I think that's one of our our problems for scaling is maybe growing too fast in certain areas. We're pushing to have, we're pushing on board certain types of clients. And then after you, afterwards you realize, okay, these are difficult data that we're dealing with. And then we have to kind of step back and kind of like decide, okay, do we, do we want to work with this type of, uh, of data or this, uh, this asset class? And uh, sometimes it's um, uh, I, I guess it's uh our failure in scaling, you know, where we have problems in scaling is when we try scaling too quickly. Yeah, I would think, too, the other issue is that some of these things are, you know, a lot of these things are really bespoke. So you may not be able to fully assess the if you're a fit for what it is they're doing until you actually get in there. And then by then, you're in there. <laughs> you're like, oh, boy, this is a client we shouldn't have taken on. <laughs> Maybe it's not quite the fit we should have, we should have gone for, I would think. Yeah, but luckily we've had enough experience with those type of customers that we kind of been able to better understand where we can't deal with the customer, like what, what we need from them to do. Well, we've had a, 
I guess a good example would be non-European, like uh, European companies that have, that their brokers are non-European. Mm. So a U.S. broker, the information that they provide, their trading tra- reports that they provide to the European customers, a lot of times doesn't have all the information that you need to comply with the, the European regulation. So what we found is when you have a European investment firm, let's say a hedge fund, and that their broker is not from Europe. So, you know, for example, the, the U.S. So it'd be a European hedge fund that's um, trading futures with a, with a U.S. broker. A lot of times the, the trading reports that the U.S. broker provides to their clients doesn't have enough information to comply with the data that the, the Europeans need for their regulatory reports. So that's a situation where you go to a client and you say, okay, no, we could do this, you know, we're going to do A, B, and C. And then you realize you just can't because their U.S. broker is just not giving them that information. And the reason why the, the U.S. broker hasn't built into their back office reports for their clients is just because they don't need it in the, in, in the U.S. Hmm. So those are, those are situations where, you know, as, as you said, you, don't, you only kind of like understand them when you get to them. But now that we've dealt with different types of, of, of companies and it helps us, you know, identify the problems a lot quicker before we get, you know, before we step into the, in, into them, which will cause delays in the future. Yeah, I think that there's significant value there and just you informing of the other company, the prospective companies that you could be dealing with that, look, this is a problem that you have that you probably didn't even realize. You get to know that space a lot better than they do because you've seen it now. So one last question for you. What about what you're working on, the industry in general, or the companies you're dealing with excites you the most? Uh, what is it that gets you out of bed every morning to continue doing what you're doing? I think what really gets um, us excited is just seeing new new things we could do with our for our customers. So you know, like a, today we had a, a conversation about um, execution quality with one of our customers, and they they have our execution module. And then we started, you know, we've been talking to them about like what else could we add over there. And when you see with them, like okay, this is something like no one else is doing, or that's or they don't have this. It's not readily available to them. And then you realize, okay, with a couple of tweaks that, you know, we could add a certain feature that's like really important for their business. I think that's for me, at least is like the, the, the exciting parts is when you're, when you're solving these big problems that companies are having like the, these big headaches that they have. Excellent. Well, Ron, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, tell us about your company. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Uh, enjoyed the time. Great luck with the podcast. Well, thank you. And uh, great luck keeping people out of trouble. <laughs> Always trying to. Always trying to. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. Okay. So that was my interview with Ron Finberg. Hope you enjoyed that and hope you got a sense for just how complicated uh, some of this reporting can get. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcast. Until next time, I'm Jason Pereira. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.